good morning, Joy Christian Center, wherever you may be joining us from. I just want to come in and say, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you're with us today. You know, I uh, hope you had a great fourth. Uh, I, uh, my neighborhood was like wild. I mean, like at 1130 at night, you know, they're shooting off fireworks. They did it, I don't know, it seemed like a long time. It seemed like, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours, they kept shooting. And they stopped for a little while to start again. And I told my wife, I told Teresa, I said, Teresa, I think they're going to the store and buying more. I said, this is like they kept rolling with this thing. They, didn't want to try. they had their own fireworks show going. I, th I know they missed the one downtown because they were doing what they were doing. But in thinking of that, and the boss being away, I saw a couple T-shirts I like. One of them is this one. It says, fireworks expert, I run, you run. The other one said, fireworks expert, if you see me running, try to keep up. <laughs> and I was thinking about it. I thought, man, that's kind of. Kind of a tough boss to be working with there. If they're going to take off and leave, and you got to run with them. They need to prepare you for that. Well, our boss didn't do that. He's taken off but for a sabbatical and, and uh, to rest, reflect, and renew. And uh, if you didn't hear his, uh, his message the other week on more, go listen to that. It's two weeks ago. It's really, really good. And he went into more detail. And then last week, Pastor Tommy came in, and he gave detail again on it. So I'm not going to go over everything they've already gone over. But if you want to get more of the story, then go and, and listen online, and, and you'll be able to do that. You know, as Pastor Brian started closing out his message uh, on more, he said that one of the biggest obstacles to more is it looks different. It looks different. More looks different. And, and, and that's so true in, in so many things, so many aspects of, of when God starts bringing more to our life or he wants to add more to us. It is. It's very different. And uh, he, he used that verse out of Mark 10, 27 about, you know, with man, certain things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. And if we recognize that, then, then our life can be the better. We can grow in God and have wonderful things happen for us. And, and that was a great launching pad for Pastor Tommy as he came in and he started talking about Moses and leading the children, how they crossed the Red Sea and, and how that God wanted a relationship with a people at large. But just like that, he wants that connection with us individually as well. He wants us to know him in a very, very personal way. Not just know about him, but know him in a very personal way. And, and as we, we think about that, I, I was thinking about some things in life are so different. We, we expect them uh, to, to everything to flow smooth when we become a Christian or everything to be on a, an easy sail. But it's not always that way. Some of the difficulties uh, come in our life after we become a Christian. But God is always there, and he's always able to carry us through those difficulties and trials and things that we go through and have us come out better on the other side of it. And if we'll allow him to, he'll do that for us. But if we, if we choose to be disobedient, well, there's consequences for that way too. I was thinking in light of that how that that uh, once uh, Teresa and I we were going to buy we were going to buy a piece of property uh, there when we were living in Oklahoma, and we went out to look at some lots and different things. We found this one we really liked. We thought this was a really nice lot this builder had, and so we thought, well, yeah, this would be a great place. You know, let's 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 build here. And and uh, so we went to talk with the builder, and he set up the contract papers and everything. And he said, well, he said the thing of it is, he said this land is is it's never been never been perked or anything. And he said, we'll have to do the perk test on it to make sure you know that the, the, the water would flow and everything the way it's supposed to. And so we said, okay, let us know how it turns out. And, and we had signed a paper. He said, well, if it doesn't, we've got lots more lots. And we said, well, yeah, but we would like to, <clears throat> if it doesn't, we'd like to take another look. And, uh, and, you know, before we, we don't want to say just automatically, give us another lot. We, we, we don't want to say we're going to sign up for another lot until we see how things go. And so sure enough, 
uh, he started doing the test on it. And while he's doing the test on it, something just wasn't, just wasn't right. You know, uh, you know, we just had a check on the inside. And so sure enough, when the test came back and they perked the land, they found out that it, that it wouldn't work. You couldn't build on this particular lot that we wanted. And so he calls us up and said, we got plenty of other lots. You know, we got here, 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 and here. And I said, no. I said, that was the one we, we, we really had our eye on. And I said, we just, we just don't feel right. Well, he, over the next couple months, you know, he kept trying to get us to take other lots. But we just knew in our heart that it was not the right thing to do. Well, at the end of a couple of months, we saw a friend of ours, and he said, uh, he was asking, he said, did you guys build or anything? I said, no. I said, we were looking at some lots, but it just didn't perk. And he said, well, who was the builder? And we talked to him about it a little bit. He said, you know, that builder, he was a shyster. He said, he took people's money, and he ran. He took their money and skipped out and, and cheated people out of deals that he was supposed to be carrying through for them and, and did that. He, he just left with their money. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. You didn't let us get involved with him and, and, and have all the court proceedings and everything we'd have had to go through to get that mess off of us. So, so we were protected. Even though we were disappointed when we first found out it wasn't working, God had a greater plan. Now, he led us to a great, great builder, a, a builder that did all kinds of favors and blessings for us. And I don't have time to go into all that today, maybe another time. But, but, uh, but God had a better plan than, than we thought we had. And and that's the way it works sometimes. You know, we, we have to trust. And, you know, and I was thinking about the boss being a way that how important it is for us to recognize uh, the fact of the boss situation. You know, we, we talked about, uh, Pastor Tom was talking about how, you know, with, with, uh, with, with Moses and how the people were going through the, the Red Sea and whatnot, not having that personal relationship. And I thought, you know, sometimes we, we, we don't realize how much of a, a boss we are to our own life and what we do. Uh, I remember just down south, uh, they'd say, you know, <clears throat> that people get mad about something. You're not my boss. You know, who died and God made you boss and all these kind of little hard phrases. And, and uh, when we came to Minnesota, I laughed so hard one time as a couple of little preschoolers, uh, little girls, and they were there and they got to talking amongst themselves, you know, and one of them said, looked at the other and burned up, you know, and said, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. And just clearing it out right there. That you, I'm, I'm, you're not telling me what to do. I'm my own boss. Well, that's all well and good if it's the right things to do, you know. You, you want to do the right things. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. I, I was, I was uh, reading about this, uh, this lady and uh, her, this factory she worked in, her and this, this other co-worker of hers, they were sitting there talking and, and he was talking about how, man, it was like slave drivers. They were working them so hard and all these extra hours and everything and, and just, just a you know, terrible environment to be working in in that time. And the lady said, well, I'm tired of it. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to get me a day off. And the guy says, well, I'd like to know how you're going to do that. You know, they haven't given us any days we can take off. Right now we're running all these extra hours. They're not going to give us a day off. She said, well, you watch. She said, I, I, I'm going to get me a day off. And so, uh, you know, he didn't know what she was going to do. But what she did was she climbed up on this in this building this warehouse thing she was in and she hung herself upside down she was hanging upside down you know how you put your feet there and hang down and she did it by the time the boss is coming in so the boss comes walking in and he sees there there she is hanging down from the top of the area up there and he looks up there what are you doing and she said i'm a light bulb i'm a light bulb i shine i shine i'm a light bulb i'm shining i'm shining i'm a light bulb and uh, what the boss didn't know what to do, he's flustered. He thinks, man, she's, she's losing it, you know. So he said, uh, he said, well, that's okay. He said, just come on down. <laughs> come on down and you just, you just take a day off. You know, go home and rest. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and you come back tomorrow and everything will be better. You know, just, just take, go home and rest today. So she climbs down and starts walking off. Well, about the time she started walking off, the fellow she was talking to, he starts walking off. And the boss looks at him, well, where are you going? He said, well, I can't work in the dark. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> you know. God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to do good things and be working around, around good people. 
and not go crazy in doing it. You know, Thomas Edison, they say he had close probably around 10,000 failures uh, in all of his experiments and different things uh, as, as the creations that he was doing. And, but, but think about this. Even though he might have been, he, he, he might have had all those failures that he was doing as experiments, he didn't let it make him be a failure. In other words, he kept going until he had success uh, in areas it was going to. And that's what a persistent person does. We're going to be talking about persistence today, and we're going to go back in the Old Testament again uh, concerning Joshua and Caleb because they were two persistent men that entered into the promised land. What is a persistent person? How are they different? Well, one thing, they don't let frustrations, they don't let aggravations, they don't let uh, setbacks, they don't let obstacles, they don't let discouragement, they don't let those things stop them from doing what they need to do. In other words, they see the big picture. They're not just looking at the moment they're in, they're looking at the big picture too. They're seeing what's yet to come. And, and, and they realize that the mission, the vision at hand has got to go forward. And they will sacrifice, and there's times where there'll be some, some, some aggravation and frustration, but in, in the processes of doing that, they realize that they're going to go on beyond that. That's not going to stop them and hinder them from what they need to accomplish or what they need to do. And so we're going to be looking at this in the Bible today uh, from Joshua and Caleb. You know, in the Old Testament, we have a lot of historical truth. There's so much historical truth. I mean, you can read and read and read about all the Bible characters, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But there's also included in that pertinent truth. Pertinent truth is that part that affects our life. It's when we extract from those stories and we take those things and can use them in our life to benefit us or to benefit those following after us. That's what the pertinent truth is there for. And God didn't just put it together the way he did. You see some of the things repeated in the Bible, you, especially if you read through the Bible last year and you see it saying, wait a minute, I just read this here. I read it again. I got it in Kings. I got it in here. I got it in Chronicles. Well, you see these things God repeated them. It was people seeing things and saying things and giving their story again, rehearsing those things and talking about it. So, today we're going to go back. We're going to look into it and look at some things that will help us in tough times. You know, the Bible talks about, or, or, or we talk about, not only does the Bible talk about getting through the things in our life, but have you ever heard the expression, uh, when, uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, no pain, no gain? Well, persistence recognizes the fact there may be short-time pain for long-term gain. And that's what you look at, short-time pain for long-term gain, as you think about it. I think of Abraham and Sarah and how they, that they were well beyond the childbearing years, yet they, they had their son, didn't they? Isaac came, and you look at that. Or you think about Joseph and how that even though his brothers, he saw things when he was younger so much they threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery, he had to go to prison, had all these things, but eventually he became that mighty man in the country he lived in. David, who was a shepherd boy out there, winds up fighting a giant. Next thing you know, he's out here, and eventually he has to deal with a king that, that, that hates him, says he loves him, but yet he acts like he hates him and does things to prove it, then eventually he becomes king, doesn't he? Everybody we see in the Bible, the stories that we see in there, there's a reason why those stories are in there to bring something into our life. And so if you recognize the fact that sometimes God will say slow, sometimes God will say no, sometimes he'll say grow, and yet other times he'll say go. If you recognize that's kind of the way that God works in our life. There's some things that we just don't get right away. It's like we did when we were trying to, to, to get that house. It didn't happen right away. We took time to get the right lot to do what we did. But God had a plan. And if we follow his plan, it'll always turn out better for us. Because God, according to Matthew 7, God gives good gifts to his children. He's not out to bring things into our life to hurt us. He's out to bring things in our life that bless us and help us. Sometimes people get in the Old Testament and they'll say, well, look at this. Look what God did. I mean, oh, this is God of wrath and this, that, and the other. And, and I thought, yeah, but just don't, just don't park there. Don't just park in the Old Testament. Get over in the New Testament. See what Jesus said about things. Begin to look. And also, when you're looking at the Old Testament, look at why those things came upon the people. You'll find out that it was because of disobedience. God didn't just walk out, oh, I don't like them today. <laughs> They're over. 
That's not the way he operates. God is a loving God. He's a good God, and he wants to do good things in our life. All right. Well, let's get into it some. We're going to begin here in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 1 through 3. And it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spout the land of Canaan, which I am doing what to the children? Giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. And it says, You shall send a man, every one a leader among them. He's not just looking for any guys. He's looking for leaders he's sending out here. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord. All of them were men who were heads of the children of Israel. Notice at this point, God is not, not looking at them. He's calling them his children right here. He's calling them his children, children of Israel. But look at what he's saying here. He's not saying that I'm giving this land to a faithless, complaining, unbelieving nation of ingrates. He's saying children, children of Israel. He loves these people. God has a love in his heart for these people. These were chosen people that God is wanting to bless here. Not people he's looking at with a hard eye and, and hard things that he wants to bring to them. So this is what happens. Moses then sends out the men to spy the land of Canaan and said to them. He's got some things he's asking them to do here. He said, go this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. Whether the people, he's talking about the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. Whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or are they like strongholds. Whether the land is rich or poor. And whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage. He's telling them to be of good courage here. And he says, and bring some of the, bring some of the uh, fruit of the land. And, and now the time of the season was for the ripe grapes. He's, he's telling us here that this is a season where there's grapes. He, and, and Moses knows there's going to be grapes there. So bring us some fruit back. And he's expecting to see some grapes come back with these guys when they do it. So what he's doing here, he's sending them kind of a military reconnaissance, but at the same time, he's looking at as a resettling mission. In other words, this is a lot of people. You're talking about estimates between two and a half and three million people came out of Egypt with them. That's a lot of people to settle the land. And so they're looking at how it's all going to be divided up and things like that. There'll be things to, to figure out. So when they come back, notice what it says that they did when they came back to this deal. They came to the Valley of Eshcol, Valley of Grapes, and it says there they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. This wowed me because my grandfather, uh, when I was a kid, he had uh, some grapevines, not very many, but he had some. Not a vineyard, but he had some grapevines, and they would take the grapes, you know, make jelly out of them. And, and, uh, but, but I remember, I, I thought of my grandfather's grapevines. I could have taken either one of those vines and, and all the grapes and everything, clusters and all, wrapped around my head and walked down the street with it by myself. This one took two men and a pole. Have you seen those globe grapes they have in the store, those big fat grapes? I mean, look about the size of a half size of a golf ball. That's what I picture these grapes as being like, somewhere between a golf ball and lemon size. I mean, you could knock a man out with one of those grapes if they were green. I mean, these, they had to be some massive looking things. And I, think about this. I thought about, well, if that's how, you know, big enough to take two guys in a pole to care, what did the raisins look like? Those raisins, preschoolers would have ran from those raisins. They'd see the raisins, no, <laughs> they'd be running away. No, they look like prunes or something. But you tell this is a lush land that they're talking about here. This is a lush land, a, a, a land. That, and he goes on to say this here. He says in Numbers 13, 27 through 30, it says, Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. Well, that's where they're supposed to go. Hopefully they did. And it truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. These were giants, big, big large people, kind of like Goliath. 
The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Now this is interesting because in, in Proverbs the Bible talks about how the, uh, the eyes that, that focus on things that are beautiful bring joy to the heart. When you see things, beautiful things, it brings joy to the heart. And, and, and how that uh, when you hear a good report, it strengthens your inner being. It makes you strong on the inside when you hear good reports. Well, this is kind of a mixed report coming here. Milk and honey really is a metaphor meaning all good things. Things. In other words, they said flowing with milk and honey. This is a land that's, that it, it has the vegetation. I mean, it's, it's got the agriculture qualities. It's got the, uh, the, the animals and things that they need there. It's got it all. This land has got it right here. It's just livestock and things are there. So it's just a lush land that God has prepared for them. Here again. God doesn't give us his second best. He gives us his best. That's the way God operates. And, and then when Caleb hears the people and they start complaining, he said, well, he, he wanted to settle things down. Let's don't go crazy here. You know, this is our land. Let's, let's, let's don't talk about giants. Let's talk about grapes. Have a grape. You know, here, have another grape. <laughs> have a pomegranate. Take one of these home with you. You know, he's trying to get them back to, to thinking about pomegranates the size of bowling balls. Grapes the size of lemons. I mean, he's trying to bring them back to, to the good things to get them focusing on that. But Unfortunately, that's not what's going to happen. You know, he's got good news and more good news, but that's not what they're thinking about. They're going to start talking about things amongst the people there, go back into the various tribes they came from, and, and begin to say things that they shouldn't have and begin to take the people in a different direction. Did you know that thinking no and thinking against what you know from God, uh, that, that's an enemy of persistence. God doesn't want us to think on negative thoughts and negative because they'll lead to negative actions and negative works if we allow those things to overtake us. Uh, a, a person that's persistent needs to guard their thought life because that's going to take you into what's next for your life. And if you don't guard it, then you'll be negative all the time. Next thing, the whole world looks bad to you. Everything's bad. Now, <clears throat> we see this here. It says this. It says, but the men, this is Numbers 13, 31 through 30, uh, 33, it says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able. Caleb's saying we're able. He didn't say we're able. He said we're well able. Not just able, but well able. He says we are not able to go up against these people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw giants, the descendants of Anak. We've already talked about that, who came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we were in their sight. Now, this is where it goes crazy right here. It gets squirrely right here. Because it's one thing to say what they think they see, but they can't call the shots for the giants. They're looking and saying, well, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. You know, we were so little. And they saw us, and they, 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 they didn't have, sit down and have a political meeting with these guys. And these guys look at them, oh, by the way, you people look like grasshoppers. We're going to crush you. That wasn't what happened there. They were speaking out of turn here because they were looking at defeat. They began to see these 10 of the spies, 10 of the 12 did this, not Joshua and Caleb, but 10 saw this. And Caleb had his eyes focused on God's word and what God had said. You remember last week when Pastor Tommy mentioned the fact about Jesus being of the, the line of Judah? You wonder what tribe Caleb came, came out of? What tribe he represented? Judah. He's courageous. He's bold. He's going to say what God says, and he's going to speak the way that God speaks in this situation. He's not going to get caught up in this thing. And we know that because we look in Numbers chapter 14, we read over, and we see where it says this. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. 
What kind of spirit are we talking about? We're talking about a spirit that Caleb has here that persists God in trusting him, that persists God in being obedient to, 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 to what his direction and what he wants to, uh, to accomplish, that per- persists God in, in the midst of opposition. He's not going to let the opposition take him out. He's going to keep believing. And, and really look at what he said. He said a different spirit, and he's fully followed me. That's what he's saying about Caleb here. In other words, Caleb is going to follow God regardless of what everybody else does. He's going to make his stand. He's going to take his stand, and he's going to stand because that's what he does. John Wesley, the great John Wesley, may have, uh, may have perhaps maybe read some of his sermons or sang his songs, but listen to what it says. It says, unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary in well-doing. Noah had that kind of a spirit when he built that ark. And, and, and David had that kind of a spirit when he, when, when he was being pursued. Uh, not only, well, even go back in David's life when he was young. He had a giant there about nine foot, nine inches tall, according to, to most uh, calculations. They say that. He's facing this guy. This guy's got hundreds of pounds of armor he's either wearing or carrying. And yet he goes out there and David conquers this giant. He was probably along the same line. It looked like some of those people that they were seeing there. And, but yet David didn't. He didn't cower down. He didn't do it. He didn't allow the devil to have victory. Do you know that word devil? In fact, when you look it up and, and you check it out in the Greek, you'll find out it comes from a couple of com- it's a compound. It comes from a compound words. And really what it's talking about is the fact of something hitting something repetitively over and over and over and over and over and over until it wears through, until it completely penetrates through. That's why they, remember how many days? How many days were they checking out the land? 40 days. How many days did Goliath come out and run his mouth before the people of Israel, before David shut him down? 40 days. How many times was Jesus, how many days was Jesus in the wilderness when the devil came at him and tried to get him to throw himself off the cliff there and turn rocks into bread? 40 days. There's some 40 days in the Bible. I've always thought when they say it takes 21 days to, chase, to change a habit, I think 40 days is more accurate. 40 days to do the job. If you didn't get it in 21, go back and do it again. This time do it for 40, and then you watch out. You look out. See what happens on that. But see, you see stuff like that in your Bible, and you, and you begin to recognize that, that God had a plan for these people. Now, that, that's why we look at, at things, even the story back when Elijah, and uh, I could, there's so many different stories in there that jumped through my head all at one time as well as, but anyhow, Elijah was there, and his servant was there, and, you know, the young guy that was helping him, and, and they had the Syrian army that was surrounding them, you know, coming all around, and, and that little guy was getting afraid, you know. He says, oh, man, look at this. Look at this big army. Look at what we've got to deal with. And all of a sudden, Elijah, the Lord opened his eyes where he can see what we got. And all of a sudden, his eyes, his spiritual eyes open up. You know, and when his spiritual eyes open up, he sees these chariots of fire and all these angels and things standing around. And, and Elijah, there's more with us than there are with them. What was he seeing? Your heart has eyes. There's times when you don't go by these things, the two things you see from. It, it, there's times when you have to go by your heart on the inside. You see with your spiritual eyes. They know more. They see more. Sure, see things with your natural eyes like it talked about in Proverbs, and it does help, and it builds you up on the inside. But you reach a point where you no longer have to depend on these in certain situations. You depend on what's going on in the inside, in your heart, as God speaks to your spirit. We read a prayer, or we read a prayer, I should say, in Growth Track 1. Well, that's the one that, that, that I lead in there on knowing God and following God. 
And that prayer is one of the Ephesian prayers of Paul where he's praying for the people of Ephesus there and he's desiring that they might see fully, that their eyes might be open and they might recognize what God has for them, what he wants them to do and what he has for them. Why did he pray that? Because he knew the natural eyes won't get you there. It's got to come from your spiritual eyes on the inside to be able to see those things. Well, we can't camp there. We've got to go on. Numbers 14. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephthah, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes at this point. Moses and Aaron are on their face praying before God and saying, oh, God, don't let them, you know, don't let them do this. Don't let them be disobedient. And here's Joshua and Caleb. And so they said, the land we pass through to spy is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he'll bring us to this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor feel the, fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. What do you do with bread? You eat it. In other words, he said, we're going to eat their lunch. We're going to deal with them. We're going to take them out. He says, don't, don't, don't rebel against God. We'll go take care of these guys. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Here they are doing what God says to do, and, and they're coming against them. Opposition, resistance in a big way. <clears throat> it says, now the glory of the Lord appeared at the tabernacle of meeting before this and all the children of Israel. Oh, yeah, God's coming on the scene now. You said no to me. Well, guess what? I'm going to say no to you. Things are going to begin to change right now. It's going to get different for them. It's interesting when you go back. You have to go back to Deuteronomy 7 if you want to see this. But God told them that he was giving them the land. They were going to take it. In other words, they would go in. There were going to be enemies in the land. There were going to be opposition. He tells them, you're not going to go in in one big sweep of things and take this land. Deuteronomy 7 teaches and, and shows in there that it's going to be little by little. In other words, there are going to be battles that they're going to go through little by little, but they're going to win. They're going to come out victorious. And the reason he tells them that, he says, if you took it all at once and went in, and essentially he said, if it was a slaughterhouse, if you went in there and everybody got killed, the wild animals would descend and they would come on you. You know, you'd have to deal with them. And I, I got thinking, I thought, well, whoa, that's kind of different. You know, what's he talking about there? But then I got to looking, and, and that wild animals, a lot of them, because the blood of a human is more salty, once they taste the human blood, then they want human blood. And you think, well, what did they have in Israel? They got reptiles, snakes, what? No, they had other things. Remember David killed a lion, a bear? They had other things, wild dogs. They had uh, cheetahs. Some of them say they had cheetahs over there during that time period. And so if they had unleashed a, all of it at one time, all these animals would begin to multiply. They'd go out. and then it'd been, I mean, God had a plan for everything he did. But he's telling them, we, we see this in the New Testament. He's telling them here, don't be in fear. That's why we see in the Bible when things we're dealing with are obstacles or troubles, we're not to fear because God never gives us a spirit of fear. The only fear we should ever have in us is the fear of God and that we know is honoring him, respecting him. Or there's a natural fear, obviously, if we come up and climb up on top of this building. I don't think I'm going to dive head first off that. But it's not talking about fearing our enemies, fearing the obstacles, fearing things that are against God Almighty. Because he's going to stand with us, well able to do it. Well, Joshua and Caleb did the same thing. They're, tr they're persisting. They're, they're, you know, they're trying to get these men to, to, to not give in. And, and, and we notice as we read on further here in Numbers 14, uh, it says, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. Now, why is this? Why, why Caleb? Well, we read just a few minutes ago. He fully followed God. He loved God. 
Joshua was the same way. Joshua kind of grew up at the feet of Moses. In other words, he, he, he went to the tabernacle. When Moses would be there and the presence of God would come into the tabernacle, uh, the Bible records that even after Moses would leave, after he was done with his talk with God and leave, Joshua would still re remain there. He'd be at that tabernacle. I believe that man loved the presence of God so much that he thought, if there's any more here, I'm getting me some of that. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. And so he, he would stay and, and linger in the presence there. And, and, and that's, that's good things for us to realize and think about today because God wants us, wants us to linger in his presence and not get such a hurried up thing in this life that we can't hear from our spirit or, or recognize the presence of God. I love this so much because uh, you, you see over in Joshua 14, 10, and 11, it says, And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke the word to Moses, while Israel, wand Israel uh, wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I'm as strong on this day as on the day of that Moses sent me out. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both going out and for coming in. And it goes on to say here that, that Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. And even it, it says here, because he wholly followed the Lord. And I, I look at these stories and I realize in the Bible as I begin to read this that you know, Joshua and Caleb, they weren't even just looking out for their own family. They were looking out for a nation. They were looking out for God's people, not just even the generation there, but for the ones coming after. I, I, I thought it was interesting, too, that when you, when you see what happened to some of those people that got in disobedience and all, many of them died by plagues. In fact, it talks about that first ten dying by a plague. And, and you see that, how that, that those people, just as God said, because they turned on him and they were rebellious against him, it did not go well for them. You know, they had all kinds of sickness and things that came into them. And the whole time, God was trying to keep that out of their life. He was trying to make them be a healthy whole people. And we know that when they were into 40 years in the wilderness, yeah, God did take care of them. He still provided for them, and he helped them. And that generation that was behind got to see the promised land. But even Moses didn't get to see the promised land. God had told him at one point there the people were thirsty. And, you know, and, uh, how would you like to have a couple million people riled up and thirsty? Well, we want this, we want that, or, or hungry. We want this, or we want that, or, or we're not comfortable. Well, it's too cold, it's too hot, it's this, it's that, all these different things. You know, there's no telling us what Moses had to put up with. But uh, at, at one point there, God told him, he says, go out and speak to that rock. He wanted to show the people the power that he was. But instead of doing that, Moses takes and strikes the rock twice. And because he did that, God said, you won't, you, you'll be able to look over into the promised land, but you won't be able to enter in. And he didn't. He, he never got to enter into the promised land because he didn't do what God told him to do. And you, you, you read in the Bible and you think about it for a minute. Those people, God could tell them that they could take that land and they were going to be successful because those men that were already in the Canaanites, the Hittites, Jebusites, all those people that were already there, they heard about what God had done. They, they knew that this was a powerful people coming. They were, you talk about freer, they were more afraid of the Israelites than the Israelites should have ever been for them because they knew what was coming. They knew this was an awesome tribe of people. There's people here that, man, their God is a serious God. He, he takes care of this bunch. And that's why he said at one point that their protection is gone. Why would he say that? Because it was over for them. That land they had possessed now is going to be turned over. And it's coming, for God. It's, it's coming to God's people. All they had to do was come for the land and do what God was going to let them to do. He wasn't going to let them go out there and fail and battle and, 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 or to, to go through a, a, a terrible slavery. 
If they had just thought whenever they, they would complain about going back to, back to Egypt, if they would just thought a minute, maybe a couple of them pull their, pull their cloaks back, take a look at the scars where they'd been whipped by the Egyptians and the things they'd gone through, that might have been something to remember them by too. Look at what we got when we were there. Look at what our children did, what, what they had to do. Look at those that were buried in Egypt that could have been going in with us into this land. See, all those things, if they'd have begin to look at that, if they wanted to think negatively, why not think about the past and the, of what was done to them? Uh, but but uh, thinking about things of God and what he wanted to do for them, that should have been positive. Persistence is something we all have to deal with and will all of our life. There was a, there was a psychologist. She came into her class, and she had a, a thing of water like that. And she says, I've got a question to ask you. Anybody want to guess what the question was? Eh, not half full or half empty. She said, what is the weight of the water in there? They were guessing, you know, given what they thought the weight might be. It might be 10, 12 ounces, whatever they wanted to put down. And what she was getting to was the fact, even the weight in there was not what she, she wanted to bring out to them. She said, now, if I took this glass and I held it out like this for a minute, I'd be okay. I mean, I'd feel it somewhat in my arm. But she said, if I held that on, if I held it out there like that, held on to it, and held it out there for about an hour, my arm would begin to ache. And she said, and now if I held it for a day, what do you think would happen if you tried to hold that glass just like that for a day? That thing's going to eventually come down, isn't it? Because you wouldn't be able, under your own strength, to be able to carry that thing. Most people wouldn't. I don't know if somebody does. They might be some Superman strength or bionic arm, maybe an artificial arm, you know, one that's been... But they wouldn't, be able to, they wouldn't be able to hold that all day for 24 hours just like that without beginning to tremble and shake, if nothing else. There are people who are carrying so much weight themselves with stress, hurts, maybe even habits. I talked to a guy just a, a few weeks ago, and he was sharing how that he had smoked for many, many years of his life, and he said that on, on uh, Valentine's Day, three, three, three years ago on Valentine's Day, he asked his wife what she wanted, and she told him, she said, I'd just like for you to quit smoking, please. And he said he'd tried patches, pills, the whole gamut, trying to get rid of this, this habit that he had. And, and he said, finally, when she said that, he said, I got most serious I've ever been. I said, I, I, I talked to God. I said, God, you know I've tried everything I know to do, and I, I, I can't do it, but you could help me. You can help me not do it. Will you help me not do it, Lord? I, I believe you will. And he prayed and talked to the Lord about it. He told me, he said, you know, I haven't smoked a cigarette in three years. Don't even have a desire for him anymore. You know, that was something he wanted to do. I talked to a man just this past week, and he's 70 years old, and he just got a bad report from, from the doctor, and he's got to go in. Something's wrong with his heart. He don't know what it is yet. He just knows there's something wrong. And he was telling me, and he started talking to me. He said, you know, he said, I, I've had a good life, and, you know, if I don't make it through, I, I, I've had, I said, whoa, whoa, well, we won't talk that kind of talk. No, we don't talk that way. What do you mean? Had a good life. 70 years old? Good night. Moses lived 110, you know. Let's go for Moses. Let's go for his round. But I told him, I said, no, man. I said, they've got miraculous things that they do. God has blessed you know, the, the healing realms and things that doctors and the skills and tools and all this stuff. I said, no. Besides that, he don't even know what the total report is yet. 
You see, you got to be persistent for whatever you go after with God. There's a man, there's a man I saw here again a couple weeks ago. I see a lot of people in different places. Pastor Brian laughs at me sometimes. He said, you run into more people. But now none of these people I'm telling you about, none of, none of these people go to joy, the ones I'm telling you about right now. But I, I ran into a, a, a guy a couple weeks ago, and uh, gosh, I've been inviting him to church probably for 15, maybe 16 years. And I saw him, and I said, look, I saw him. I run into him occasionally in different places. And I said, hey, I said, I just want to let you know, I still got your seat for you at church. I got it saved for you. And, uh, and it's a kind of a thing. He says, well, you know, I'm going to surprise you one of these days. I'm going to show up. He said, but what if somebody else is sitting in my seat? I said, I'll ask them to move. I said, that's your seat. You know, we persist in things that we believe in doing and things that we believe is of God. I'm longing for the day I'll see him sitting in this sanctuary in, in services. I do. I really want to see him there. And, and, and I believe if we'll just not give in and don't get negative and do like the children of Israel did and start denying and, and, and working against the power of God, but we'll believe with God, we're well able to overcome whatever it is. And there's things that some of you, you got goals out there, you got visions, there's things you're believing God for, maybe been believing God for, maybe, maybe there's situations in your family, a child that's out there that needs to come in, or, or maybe there's a friend or somebody, or, or someone that, that you've seen just goes through a, a period of sickness or disease over and over, repetitive things, and, and what, don't give up. Stay persistent to what you know God's telling you to do. Maybe there's something that right, 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 even this morning, right now, that you were thinking has crossed your mind, even as we're talking about, you know, I believe that God brings things in. When we come to a service like this, I believe that God wants to minister to us. And when he brings things up from within and, and, and you recognize those things, you need to act on it and, and do something with it. So I want you to bow your head for just a moment if you would. First of all, if you're here today and you've never asked Christ to come into your heart before, that's how you get that well able. Because when he comes in, he's there to help you and to see things come through. Is there anybody here this morning that needs to invite Christ in your heart, first of all? If you do, raise your hand. All right? Anywhere else? anywhere else. We're going to pray for you first of all. And then after we pray for you, is there people here today? Maybe you're sitting there and you say, that's me. I, I need a double dose of persistence. I just need persistence operating my life. There's things I've laid down. I've got to pick back up and get right with again. I've got to come back to God and have a come to Jesus meeting and, and, and focus in on this thing and, and not turn it loose in my prayer life, not turn it loose in my walk life, not turn it loose in my love life. If that's you and there's things that you're persisting in, would you stick your hand up because I want to pray for you too. And, and, and God sees your hand. It's as much as anything. It's an action for you to take saying, I recognize I need to do this. So I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for you. First of all, let's everybody pray this prayer together for, for those who want to invite Jesus in their heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I do believe that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I accept him now and make him Lord of my life and will live my life as best I can in accordance with your word and your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, I pray for others that had their hand raised this morning, Lord, that, Lord, maybe they've been persistent for a while and and going after things and, and they just hadn't seen it. They haven't seen it yet. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would be, even as Moses said, be of good courage 
and recognize the fact, don't give in. Don't give in. Don't let the enemy have the win. Stay after it. Be victorious, Father. I pray that they would be so victorious and they'll recognize that they are well able. Even as David went after that giant and slayed him, Father, I'm believing today that there are those here in this group right now that's going to see the things that you have for them, their visions, their goals. Even as Joshua and Caleb entered into that promised land, they didn't give up. They stayed with it. They stayed with it. And so, Father, I thank you that they're going to stay with it. They're going to see it come to pass and give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.